welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are here to discuss episode six of season three titled Making Love Work. Uh, today I am here with Matthew Gonzalez. Matthew, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show, Vic. Uh, Matthew, uh, how I got in touch with Matthew, uh, if you remember, I had a uh, guest host a few episodes ago, Chris Green. He invited me to this underdog podcast network and it's kind of a cool little Facebook page that, um, you know, it's all local or well, local indie podcast of sorts. And I kind of threw up a post like, hey, does anyone want to guest on this episode? And Matthew reached out. Uh, let's see. Let me before we get into the actual Six Feet Under uh, episode and talk about that. Um you your podcast is am I saying it right? Ent head? That's it. Like Ent Head. Is it is it kinda like entertainment head? Or no. Similar, although Ent stands for entrepreneurs. Oh right, of course. <laughs> 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 I should have realized that. Uh and yes, tell us about your podcast. It's um it's it's rather yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's um it's it's gonna change here shortly. Um so the name Ent Head kind of implies uh <clears throat> I'm reaching out to heads of of their organizations, entrepreneurs, and um, I'm shifting gears here shortly to focus on high-ticket growth resources. So in other words, uh, make EntHead a, a, a portal, if you will, for professionals who want to increase knowledge, attract high-paying clients, mm-hmm. um, and the content's going to be by entrepreneurs who have highly valued fees so that they can generate high-ticket sales. So the focus is going to go towards more high-ticket sales and uh, I'll actually be doing less interviewing and more, um, uh, probably more uh, lecturing, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what Enthead is. And um, I got the name Enthead from um, I-, I watch, you know, ESPN kind of regularly um, yeah. in the background. And uh, uh, there's a a, a uh, host on there. He calls everyone knuckleheads. And I thought, man, I would like to call a lot of people knuckle- knuckleheads too. But I said, I won't do that. I'll call them entheads. <laughs> who, who, uh, who's, who's the one who calls everyone knuckleheads? Well, aside from Charles Barkley, he just does it by uh, nature. Uh, but right, um, right, the one right. I got it really from was Michael Michael Wilbon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> uh, uh, he signs off every show same time tomorrow. Knuckleheads. Knuckleheads. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I kind of liked it. it. It resonated with me. So uh, I went with entheads. And uh, so that's what I call my community, my my small tribe. Uh, they're ant heads instead that's of knuckleheads. Really, that's really funny. Uh, do you put out a podcast a day? Yes, it's a five day week podcast, and um, Damn. Uh, up to this point, you know, it's been on uh, interviewing individuals, uh, um, business owners, uh, to help uh, individuals get past their second, third year in business. And now I'm shifting gears more towards the high-ticket sales because uh, that's kind of what I did my dissertation in. And right. uh, I thought, you know, this is what I, um, what I, the direction I would like to go. So high-ticket sales, high-ticket growth is where I'll be headed with EntHead uh, starting August 1st. That's cool. Uh, have you come across anything funeral-related in your – how long have you been doing the podcast? This is about 10 months now, give or take. 
like I said, we were uh, reached out to him on the uh, the Underdog Podcast Network. If you are in an indie podcast, whatever, definitely get on there. It's a nice little community. Uh, your experience with Six Feet Under. I know the show is rather, man, where the finale aired, what, 12 years ago now? So Crazy. Um, so at the time, um, uh, I, I think just the name itself intrigued me. Um, there, there really weren't, and I don't have a passion for this or anything, but just honestly, the name intrigued yeah. me. Um, uh, then there weren't any other shows like it. And, uh, so I just decided to look at it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife and I became hooked <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we did not miss an episode. Although I'll say this, I, I still don't think I've seen episode number one. I've seen all, I think all the rest of them except for number one <laughs> so but i think i know what happens in that one but anyway yeah we watched it religiously yeah so we could somewhat get into the episode now uh we have this this is one of the episodes uh kathy bates if you remember bettina mm-hmm. she played on this on this uh series she's out for this episode we saw in the episode prior she goes up to montana to deal with her sister but it's kind of weird like i don't know she directed it but she's not in it hmm. um didn't know that but this episode aired April 6, 2003. And this little death capsule in the beginning, uh, I had a little trouble at first sort of dissecting it because it doesn't, it doesn't really play into the episode except for one line. I don't know if, if you had caught it, but basically we see these, these three women, right? They're, they're out for, uh, they're about to, this fake Dr. Phil. You know, Dr. Phil was huge at the time, whatever. And, uh, you know, they're all going over what their questions are going to be. And the, the the one girl says, the one who dies, uh, oh, his name is Karen. Oh, I'm looking at my notes here. I don't know if I got her name. Let's call her Karen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she says, you know, how can I stop being so competitive with my mother-in-law? And it just kind of browsed over me there, whatever. And then I realized uh, there was an episode prior where... Uh, basically, Nate sees that Lisa and Ruth are the same person. You know, every man grows up to marry his own mother. And, you know, they made all the comparisons between Lisa and Ruth. So, you know, there's sort of that, like, how could I compare whatever? Um, you know, and we just see here that her nose starts bleeding. And, you know, what we learn is she had a deviated septum, the surgery, and, a you know, the scar tissue caused this blood vessel, which just popped now. Uh the the nose bleeding that was rather gruesome no for something so how do i say it uh it's not as visceral right like it's not like a, a gunshot a knife or anything i don't know i just felt it when like her nose just started gushing you know mm-hmm. yeah you know um th- that's that's uh um pretty deep the way you you kind of made the correlation uh, i i didn't even make that correlation the beginning of the episode to the rest of it um, but yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, and the uh, deviated septum. You know, I kind of like when Nate mentioned, you know, we're, we're just all ticking time bombs. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if if you remember, he is a ticking time bomb himself. You know, with with his whole uh, AVM. So that's just sitting there, uh, autumn. Uh, but yeah, just the way her nose just starts gushing. I mean, I don't know. I got nosebleeds a lot when I was younger. Like when the seasons change, I don't get them anymore. I don't know if it just goes away as you get older or whatever. I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen anyone have a nosebleed in a long time, but that just might be my uh, my environment, whatever. Yeah, it could be. You know, actually, my wife's pregnant right now, and every now and then she gets them. 
Um, really? Yeah, she every now and then she'll get a nosebleed. It's kind of hmm. interesting. But um, yeah, unless you 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 you've got something going on with your nose, I, you're right. I haven't seen it either. And um, yeah, I, I did too as a kid. Coming to think about it, um, so you know to see it happen in the episode and have someone die from it just kind of at random is um, yeah, it just shows. Yeah, it's and, so random. They're yeah, they're here. They're about to go have a good time and just, <laughs> boom, like you know, just unloads. Mm-hmm. Um, and and something something that I always say with this show is that. Seasons one and some of season two like really deals with the funeral industry, and then the show just kind of goes away from it. If you realize in like the later season, they kind of step away from all the. They, they, they do. I don't want to say the shock value of a of a funeral home or whatever, but they definitely uh, you know pull away from it. Uh, but this episode, I was telling you, we were talking uh, you know through Facebook. Uh, there's definitely a lot of funeral stuff in here uh, to talk about. Uh, and, you know, the episode kind of starts out with we see this rather large guy and he's on two tables. They have to, you know, sort of form two tables. And uh, we'll definitely get into the hijinks of, of him in a casket <laughs> uh, later in the episode. In this beginning, you know, they're talking uh, Rico and Nate and they're talking about, how, you know, they're talking about this woman uh, deviated septum. I don't know if you noticed, but Rico's kind of like looking. He's like really busy. Because he's like sort of treating the guy on the table. And all he's doing is brushing his hair. Pretty much, and he, yeah. And he just keeps brushing it and brushing it and brushing it. I, I, I guess it's one of those things they told the actor like, you know, do something. You know, make yourself busy. And he's <laughs> like, all right, busy. I'm going to comb this hair <laughs> over and over and over. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you know, and you, you... You being experienced with it would pick up on that. I I guess I didn't really notice notice that he was doing it over and over. Now that you mentioned it, yeah, it was a, a long hair combing session. <laughs> Wait, and, uh, like, it looked pretty perfect is, already. <laughs> that's my thing is like I have to look at what they're doing funeral wise so I could sort of you know see hey that's wrong that's right whatever and he just keeps brushing it you know. Yeah, they they told him keep busy. <laughs> And this is where we learned that Nate and Lisa and sort of the, the setup for the episode, right, is that they are going to go on a camping trip. Yeah, Nate mentions it. So can I say this? Yeah. Nate was my favorite character on the entire show. <laughs> I was so glad that this was the episode you wanted me to watch because uh, – well, There's a I, moment in this episode where I am I am like, wow, I fucking love Nate. And, and we'll get there because it's, it's when they're camping. Um, but like I said, we see here that they're going to go camping and this first conversation that she has with Lisa while they're packing, uh, uh, you know, I, I was reading on comments on AV club that this is like a slow motion car crash. <laughs> like it, it, it's happening. They're, they're going to explode and erupt, I guess, sort of like the nosebleed. Right. Uh, but it, it just they're, they're like their conversations are so hostile. If you remember, like Nate comes in and he has his books and he's reading it and, you know, Lisa won't even let him like finish reading and he, the way he just kind of snaps grabs yeah, the books snaps back, back yeah her. and it's like <laughs> like yeah and and I get you know relationships they go through ups and downs or whatever but I mean we see it throughout the whole episode how they're just I don't want to say short temper um but they they're, they're definitely not vibing they're not you know no they're not clicking anymore um yeah yeah at all and uh yeah, so we we learn down there when when Rico's brushing the hair over and over that they're going on the camping trip, and then um, um, you know, cut over to Lisa and Nate, and um, Nate's all into it, man. That he's he's ready to go. He he wants to go hiking more than camping. <laughs> That's yeah. his thing. 
Well, yeah. I mean, he even says like, yeah, I, I'm so excited. Let's do this camp, this hiking and whatever. And Lisa just kind of scoffs at it. And, you know, I was like, yeah, if we have time. And Nate's like, well, then why the hell are we going? Yeah, it's kind of two different goals, it looks like, for, for the trip. Yeah, clearly. I mean, even when they get there, right? Like, Lisa's sort of planning everything. Like, oh, if we sleep here, whatever. And Nate is just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, we'll sleep outside. Oh, we'll do whatever. And, uh, you know, Lisa's just totally not having it. Like, if you remember when they, you know, Nate only has his six beers. And <laughs> Lisa's like, well, you know. But Nate's like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drink some. And, and the guy Todd's going to drink some, whatever. But when Todd shows up, he goes like, hey, Nate, can you help me get the cooler beers out? And Nate just throws this, like, smug smirk at Lisa. Yeah. It's so great. Like, huh. Yeah. You know, only Nate, only Nate can, can do that. That's, that's Nate. This is where, this is the, the part where I was, I was like, wow, I love Nate. They're, it's at night, and they're all sort of hanging around the campfire. And, you know, they're sort of talking, and then Nate's just like, hey, who wants to catch a buzz? And he brings out this little, well, he keeps calling it a bullet, whatever. Let's call it a little pipe, right? It's weird, though, because he's like, hey, who wants to get high or who wants to catch a buzz, right? He goes to get it, comes back, and now all of a sudden no one wants it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it becomes very much um, Lisa and, and Nate are just on two different planets. Yeah. And once Lisa kind of just says, no, you know, she's, she's I don't want to say maturing or just matured maybe a little more than Nate. She's just kind of doing her you know she, she's just being who she is and peer pressure then sets in after that and yeah um it, it, it appears some some peer pressure except especially yeah because lisa's lisa's the first to say no you know for this is what i'm saying what i love nate takes his hit and then gets to lisa and lisa's like ah no thanks then it goes to dana then todd no one then that peer pressure like you're saying from lisa goes on and no one wants it so Nate, <laughs> Nate just goes, well, fuck it, more for me, and he just keeps going. Yeah, that's him. I love that. He really just doesn't care, you know. That's that's sort of the the, the selfishness of him, um, <laughs> you know. He's yeah. on his own timeline, basically. He's gonna, you know. He is, and uh, you know, it's it's a very much a window into his whole <clears throat> persona. Um, yeah. And how different he is from the rest of the family, and they right. really they're all different um, in their own personalities and characters but uh yeah you know the 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 two individuals lisa and nate um couldn't be more different in terms Mm -hmm. of their personalities i think deep down deep 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 down there's they're similar um and and maybe it's one of those things when when you're next to a person who's just like you you actually clash (laughs) yeah yeah of course It, it, it could be something like that um well, I mean, Lisa, Lisa kind of even detects it, right? Because there's like this back and forth dialogue where we have Nate and Todd walking and then there's Lisa and Dana just talking. And, you know, they're sort of both having talks about their relationships and sex. And, you know, you know, Nate, Nate, Nate's talking with Todd and he's just like, you know, oh, Lisa said, and, you know, he's just like, yeah, my wife just loves to bang. That's all we do. And Nate's like, wow, okay. <laughs> and then that's where we kind of get the reveal that, you know, Lisa's like, you know, I think during sex, yeah. Nate secretly hates me. Yeah. Which, how <laughs> awful does that have to be if you're in a, a committed marriage and you think the person hates you during sex? It is. You know, I, I um, it, it, when I saw that, it, it made me think, you know, um, maybe 
when they are intimate, it's strictly makeup sex. <laughs> so she knows that there's still, and they probably both know there's still a little bit of hatred. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as they're trying that's, to, that's not a bad point. That they're trying to get over um, whatever it was that they've been arguing about for, and it probably has been brewing and brewing and brewing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's not unfounded realistically i think it was pretty brilliant on the writer's parts to kind of say yeah you know there's still that edge um Mm -hmm. when individuals pretty much um are only intimate uh when when they need to be or you know something like their their relationship it seems like yeah they're basically intimate for all the wrong reasons yeah like it's, it's not for yeah when you know, and then in that same back and forth dialogue, um, we we see that <laughs> Todd's going on about how much he loves Dana and how he felt like everything up to this point was was everything was for her, and he wakes up everything. And Nate's like, "Yeah, I feel the same exact way," and you know about Maya, mm-hmm. <laughs> his daughter, and then you know, just wake coming from way different different angles and everything but let me say this too your your can i ask how long you've been married um yes yeah, so we uh how long have we been married we've been married uh eight gosh eight nine months we're nine newlyweds months. Okay. yeah we're newlyweds oh okay 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 so that, let me say this these two couples right like you have Todd and Dana, which seems like everything's going right, and then compare it to Nate and Lisa, where almost everything's wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> Relationships are somewhere in the middle. Uh, good, and I'm putting quotes around good, right? Good, A good relationship, a healthy relationship, I guess I could say that. They're somewhere in the middle between those two, these two, right? Sure. Or, like, it's not, oh, everything's fine, and it's not everything's awful, and whatever, it, Life is life is, I would say, even somewhat in the middle, you know? And maybe it's just made that much more better or worse either of their relationships just because who it's being compared to yeah that's probably a good point um you've got almost i don't want to say well close polar opposites of, of two right couples, right right and, uh, you know there, there's not much middle ground and probably I, I don't even know when you look at all the characters in the show and everything i'm not sure any one of them has a middle ground maybe other than david close um right but yeah, <laughs> they are pretty pretty on the. I don't want to say extremes, but they're on the ends of the spectrums for sure. Yeah, and I think it's just magnified when you put it next to, you know, um, I'm I'm like five eight, and I don't seem that short. But if you put me next to like someone who's like an average male height, all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I'm really short, <laughs> you know. But by myself, it's like, yeah, whatever, you're a normal yeah, person. That's right. Uh, but but when. <laughs> One of the greatest things I loved in this episode was when Dana's talking about uh, the the dirty talk during sex, and when she says whatever, and then the way Lisa is like, <gasps> you know, she's so it's almost like a little kid finding porn for the first time. Uh, I shouldn't say kid, a, a young teenager, right? Uh, finding porn for the first time, you know, he's just like, oh my god, I want to see more, I want to tell more. Uh, when Nate hears the same dirty talk at the end of the episode. You just see this brilliant act, like face acting. It's not nothing, I guess, physical on the face. When he hears Lisa say what what the dirty talk was, you know, he's just like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something that Six Feet Under does great is is, um, not, I don't don't know a smarter way to say this, not obvious symbolism, right? And what, probably in the most obvious 
symbolism that I've seen on this show thus far. You know, we're in the middle of season three. I, I know what happens from here on out. I don't have, I don't remember specific scenes like this. But there's a snake that comes to the campground. Right. And Nate obliterates this snake. Like, I would be scared if I was his wife. Um, the, you know, he went way over the top. But, I mean, we're, you know, a snake being an obvious phallic symbol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nate, I mean, that's just him <laughs> destroying his sex life. Uh, uh, his sex life is destroyed, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, he is it's... frustrated beyond belief. <laughs> yeah. Beyond belief. And uh, the way they look at him, the other um, Lisa... And her especially, I mean, they're they're pretty surprised by just his his rage almost starts coming out, and you know he's just upset at everything. You know he's he yeah. doesn't at this point. You know he's upset about the camping trip because he wants to go hiking, not camping. <laughs> you know he's upset about everything that he's already talked about up to that point while they were camping. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's just you know like, gosh, well, why can't why can't others fit in with me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. much. And just him just destroying that snake is just like, you know, the the, the whatever sex life he does have, <laughs> he's just frustrated beyond belief. And yeah, because he even kind of like it's almost like like a like a like a college guy college whatever party and someone chugs a beer and you know because after he fucking obliterates this snake, he's you know, come on, who wants to go hiking? <laughs> like he's he always takes us like a like a like a, a warrior, a champion, that someone that just does, does something. Jeez, <laughs> he does, he does. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, I hadn't, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about the symbolism of uh, of the snake. It didn't yeah. even cross my mind until you mentioned it right now. Well, the, the, the reason why it kind of caught on to me is like, why is why are they kind of they're focusing on like the the uh, how do I say the gruesomeness of it. Because they show, and I'm, let's all assume it's a, it's it's all props here, but uh, they're showing the gruesome, the bloodiness of the snake and whatever. And I mean, even the music kind of the the, the music cues give it away because it turns into this like rage filled, you know, score or whatever. Um, and then like, yeah, you know, the whole snake thing, or whatever. Um, yeah, it was just <laughs> beating the shit out of his. Yeah, no, quote, well done, well done. Because I really hadn't, you know? I had not put those two together at all yeah yeah <laughs> um, no good job with that one <laughs> uh this and then here is when we see nate go on a hike uh let's 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 leave let's leave nate nate alone for now let's um do we have to, to uh, i mean he's just so much you fun want- to <laughs> <laughs> no go ahead go ahead no no we'll 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 we'll, we'll power through it and get right. to the rest of it uh nate goes on this hike and <laughs> I love where, you know, Nate's like, hey, I'm going to go on this hike. You're cool. And she's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Maya's down. And Nate kind of halfway leaves and he comes right back. You know, I just want to make sure you mean go on a hike and not stay here and help me with Maya or else I'll secretly hate you, which is kind of funny when he says secretly hate you because that's exactly what she says. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They they both know what's going on deep down. Right. Kind of like you said, the car crash is coming. (laughs) Yeah. They can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Nate goes on this hike and just watching this dream sequence, having watched it, well, the dream sequence, this hike, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. This, wherever this part is there in California is, is beautiful. Just the way he's hiking, whatever. And, uh, something I always say six feet under does great is dreams. Yes. Visions kind of like this. They do. 
Um, so, I mean, presumably Nate gets to the highest point and he, we never see him sit down and take a nap, but obviously kind of just flows into it. And we get, uh, an appearance from Brenda. And if you remember where we're at with Brenda is she kind of was, she left season two at the end. She went her own way, uh, was absent um, from season three up until the last episode where she just kind of showed up just to sort of make amends with Nate, not to get back together with him, just to say, I'm sorry, you know, you were important to me and I'm sorry for hurting you. And that was it. But it's just kind of that thing like, you know, was sneaking there in the back of his mind. So it kind of makes sense why she would show up, especially if he's having trouble with, with Lisa, right? Like, makes sense why she would show up. The reason why I love this as a dream, we, we could get to the, sure. to the story arc of it, whatever, but the reason why I love this as a dream is because Nate's like, obviously, you're like, what the hell are you doing here? How did you follow me up here? But the way Brenda goes, why are you so paranoid? Wait, are you high? Like, <laughs> that's a, like, cause in dreams, right? Don't like... You kind of create the dialogue, right. you know. Um, so I just love, like, that was such a... Now, let me ask you that you. this was your first time kind of coming back to this and whatever. When Brenda shows up, what did you... Did you think that was real? Like, did you think she actually... There's a certain point in the vision where you're like, okay, this is fake. Or this is a dream. Right, right, right. Um, did you believe it for a little bit or no? For a no, little bit, knew? yes, I did. I, I did yeah. believe it a little bit because you're right. They they just do such a great job. I mean, even though you see him kind of resting and trying to maybe fall asleep or whatever, you know, you're just so enthralled in what what you want to believe as a as a viewer. Um, right. But yeah. For a while there, for a little while, I was like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, and that's just to her attestment to her, even her act acting skills. I mean, yeah. You know, she's a she's an Australian born actress, if I remember right, Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she kills it on the show. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I, I kind of did. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, in in the reality zone more than the dream zone. Like in the first two times I, I rewatched it, I was kind of like, oh, "Wait, this is real." And then, like, you know, then the, the you get the idea of how insane it would be if this was not a dream. Yeah, <laughs> that, I know that two people just happen to be hiking in, you know, right. right. <laughs> No, it it's, it totally is, and uh, at first, when they first show her coming into the picture, you know, I thought it was Lisa because they show her from right, far away, right? right. Um, and then to discover, you know, that it wasn't, um, you know, just it's. It, I think it more than anything, it's pretty symbolic that probably all of us are guilty of comparing. Uh, who we're with with someone who we used to be with or who we're with with someone who we wish we were with. <laughs> um, no, and, and, and that's a great point. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, it makes sense that in the prior episode, she just kind of showed up and, and you know, you're, 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 how do I say this? Um, you know, if, if you're, you're in a bad relationship and all of a sudden a, a picture or something of, of an ex or whoever kind of pops up, sometimes you'll just start, your mind will just wander. Like, oh, I wonder if this would have happened. I wonder or I wonder how this this person is doing whatever. Um, and, you know, this is this was I don't did they get married? I don't think they get. No, they were engaged. Nate and Brenda were engaged. Uh, but, they, you know, they shared a big portion of their lives together. So it totally makes sense why Nate has this little dream. And um, and it's funny to think, too, like in his head, Brenda misses him, you know, yeah, she um, does. 
and <laughs> and just kind of the way Six Feet Under does stuff there, you know, once he finally kisses and Nate's like, no, 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 I'm a family and everything. <laughs> Brendan jumps off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah, this this is definitely not real at this point. But uh, yeah, you know, you, um, I, I probably realized before she jumped off, just to, you, know, you probably, I'm just going to say 30 seconds before that, yeah, okay, this is this. This is him dreaming, but um, yeah. Um, but you're right; they they do a great job of kind of cutting away to another environment, if you will, and and it's it's pretty believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said before, when when Dana and Todd go for their walk, so sort of like the end of the camping trip, the two couples kind of go do their own thing, whatever. Yeah. And when when Dana and Todd go away, that's when you get like you know Lisa starts talking about. You know, she's complaining about, you know, I hate people who talk about what a perfect relationship they have. And she's going on and on. It just, you know, Nate's kind of out to lunch when, when Lisa's going on and on about it. Um, it just Nate, Nate's face when, when Lisa's, you know, Lisa's talking about this dirty talk. I just find it so priceless just how he's able to emote with just his face, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's uh... He's uh he's not easily startled by much. <laughs> right, right. Um but, and yeah, everything I, that everything goes on with that relationship just seems to just it it it's the antithesis of what he I guess ultimately wants, it seems. <laughs> and, and I think it's great what they do in this next scene cuz when when Nate and Lisa go for their own walk, you know, they're they're fighting and they're just they're, you know, Nate's being as they're being as somewhat truthful as they can be. Yeah, you know, like, are. why are we together? Why are we this? And I guess credit to Lisa. You know, just I just I want to make this work, whatever. Um, but I think it's such a telling. <laughs> if I could describe their relationship, um, excuse me. <coughs> if I could describe their relationship, they have their most. I guess one of three most passionate uh, uh, sexual experiences on a cold, hard rock. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's of all things. Um, and it's like, yes, that, that's that's their relationship, a cold, hard rock. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it resonates even more about the symbolism you mentioned, especially with the snake. Um, you know, that that's how deep Six Feet Under gets. And, and you know, in a show about death, I always say, like, it's – you. you you have to be extremely weird to to be on a show about death, and you we pick out you as the weird one. Like we'll get to it a little later, but Arthur, like you know how weird he has to be, <laughs> he 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 shines above all the weirdness. Uh, and a show about death and everything, uh, how sad the show can be sometimes. How to me, this conversation at the end with with Nate and Lisa when they're driving away was I, my heart <laughs> my heart hurt because you kind of hear lisa talks about the two times they had as passionate sex as they just had and it was both times nate got stood up by other women it's <laughs> yeah, like i know this poor lisa i mean poor lisa to a point because there should have been a point where lisa said fuck you fuck me Pretty like much. get out of my life but she was just always there just how she's, I don't know, I wonder if she knows what she's saying, you know, like, she, you know, the, the two times, and I didn't write these two down, um, it's, it's one time after a party that he got stood up, and another time some cheerleader, I think, was supposed to come over, Yeah. and <laughs> just just really, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I felt so bad for Lisa here that this is... <laughs> 
their most passionate sexual experiences and their 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 relationship of how long they known each other mm-hmm. came the the source of it was other women that's right. essentially that's right you know you know it's uh-huh. it's like they're they're kind of like what I was saying trying to allude to earlier they are somewhat kindred spirits it seems um but trying to make it work realistically it, it doesn't go beyond that I think the, the spiritual side of them seems to be there but the reality side of it is just kind of ooh uh, <laughs> it's, 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 they clash it they seems. clash so hard <laughs> that I, I just wonder how they I mean they, I know they were in a relationship prior and I guess this is where sort of it's funny though because this is sort of where Nate gets the hate quote unquote from fans because um, it's like you know how look at what he's doing to Lisa and all this stuff but you know there's part of it too and this isn't men versus women or anything but you know, reverse it. Lisa's most passionate times having sex was when a man stood her up and, and Nate's the one who's in La La Land with everything. Uh, you know, you could feel bad. You could say Nate's the bad one here. But up to a certain point, Lisa should also kind of have her wits about what this really is. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. Like, uh, um, you know, a relationship goes bad, whatever. Yeah, the, the one person is always... <laughs> Oh God! I'm opening up like this box of relationships. Um, I'm saying there's a certain point where someone should say, "Hey, you know, I shouldn't be taking this anymore." Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. As bad as I felt for Lisa, there's also a part of it. It's like, well, well, why would you marry the person when you're two times sexuals? Whereas when he's got stood up with other women, you're clearly a second option. You know? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it it is kind of. Um... Yeah, it's just a, a very real relationship that true, that, true, that, very real. That if you are on that that end of the spectrum, there's lots of individuals out there who are. Um, yeah, <clears throat> you know, I, I gotta say, I've probably been in one at least myself. I mean, it, it's um, it's so hard to break away from them. I don't know. It's because you're familiar with one another, and you you know that there is something keeping you together some kind of common bond to me in their case it's their spiritual side that they don't that they allude to every now and then but um um yeah i i just i just yeah. think that they're they're we- sticking together because of that 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 they never even talk about they're talking about everything <laughs> else that that is going wrong rather than the part that is keeping them together that's right i think yeah <laughs> And Lisa even says in, a, in, a, in an episode prior where she's just like, because Nate, uh, Nate, Claire is sort of dating this guy who's just sort of doing the same thing <laughs> yeah. that that Nate's doing to Le- Nate did to Lisa, and Lisa Lisa's advice to Claire is sometimes you just got to stick around and hope they grow up, <laughs> yeah. and you know that's probably I I imagine that's a large a, a large percentage reason why relationships probably don't end up working out. Because, yeah, I mean, you said you said you were in that position. I was in that position. I believe everyone in there. I, I believe it's important to go through that, right, to, to have a successful relationship later in life that you kind of have to go through. You have to go through the uh, fucking, what do you call it? The, you, have, you, have, you, have to get, you have to get kicked every once in a while. You have to get punched, you know, just so you kind of realize your worth, you know, and you realize, you know, see it coming later. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's, um, I, I, it, it. It reminds me just of, if I just think of myself, you know, how yeah. I wish that I had been in some of those 
those parts of relationships earlier in my life. I wish right, I had experienced right. them much earlier. Um, yeah. In my case, I just didn't. I, went, I mean, mine were probably 10 years too late, let's put it that way, <laughs> um, that I wish that, that I had gone through some of those things that Nate and Lisa are going through. Uh, but what's yeah. interesting is I don't know, I can't remember or recall what age group they're supposed to be in in the show. I, I, you you would think somewhere mid-30s roughly. and uh, I would say mid-30s. Yeah. yeah. And um, the behaviors are are still in some cases for both of them in their mid 20s Nate especially. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean I mean listen, like 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 it's a great point you just said because while I I I I can appreciate wanting to whatever, you want to let's call them vices. You want to drink, you want to smoke, right? Nate who wants to catch a buzz? No one more for me. Yep. <laughs> you you know, you only brought six beers. Um and I get it, you know, but he's also a, a newlywed parent. Um, he has a less than one year old, I, I'll, I'll say. Right, right. So yeah, like you know, there, there's sort of there's definitely there's definitely younger age behavior going on with them. Um, there is for sure. It's um, they're still exploring. They're still finding their ways. And I, I love the line you just mentioned about you know you hope they grow up. I mean you mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. you're rooting for these two individuals. And I'm, my mind's thinking towards another episode already. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, but yeah, so they they're they're struggling through it. And like you, how all this conversation started when they were driving away. You know they they, <laughs> they came together because of Nate's. Um, not failed relationships, but just because of two other women that he wasn't able to get with, and now they're right, they're right. together, and um, you know, part of them wants to make it work, as Nate especially, and part of it, mm, not sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess we could segue to two other characters, uh, okay. Ruth and Arthur. Yeah. Um. <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> Let me, there, there, there's something I made, maybe of a connection, but I don't, I don't know what it says or whatever. But their, their storyline starts out. Arthur, you know, Arthur is sitting at the table, and and Ruth is making coffee. Arthur sneezes into this handkerchief, and I don't know if that's supposed to be somewhat of a tie-in to to the nosebleed, but why I don't know. So I think I just kind of started yeah. it and yeah. stopped it there. Uh, I never realized how disgusting handkerchiefs were until Claire spells it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea of like you're gonna blow a snot rocket into this thing and then put it back into your pocket. You know, you're gonna wipe the sweat off the forehead, your forehead, and <laughs> and then you're gonna wash it and do it again. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's not all purposes. You know, maybe it's just more for looks than it is aesthetics than it is for whatever. You know. Um... So I, I think your correlation and connection with the nosebleed in the beginning to the handkerchief is is a great connection. The other half of it is is it really is just Ruth's generation. Um, right, of, that's true. That's true. That being uh, something you don't see every day, especially from someone the age of Arthur. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, um, and I, I've heard that kind of analogy before that Claire mentions, uh, and uh, it made me think about you know a, a joke. Maybe you've heard it or not. You know, how do you make a handkerchief dance? Hmm. Oh, yep. Go ahead. <laughs> Put a little boogie in it. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's true though. You're you're carrying around this this biohazard thing, whatever it is. <laughs> the, this biohazard. <laughs> it's it's. But my father, my father always carried one. 
Uh, and uh, when he passed away, I, I kept it. And you know, right, it's, right, it's just amazing right. that I, I kept something that, gosh, I don't know that I should be keeping, but it, it's yeah, just it's, yeah. handkerchiefs are, are symbolic um, for people who yeah. who still carrying them or, or carry them. Excuse me. Um, independently, I guess we're not thinking of what's going in them or what the action is, the use of them, but just the fact that someone carries it is is part of who they are. It seems, and um, the way Arthur's Arthur's makeup totally, the way he's you know he's kind of a an old school soul, old soul maybe. Um, yeah, it 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 makes perfect sense that you know. Um, that he's carrying one and I just think of my father as well he carried it I kept it my sister kept it um you know we we think about brides brides when they get married they're carrying one and they're not right, right. they don't want that thing to get lost <laughs> they want to keep that forever right yeah uh it's definitely uh I mean so I I I would think that people growing up today definitely a handkerchief is not part of your your wardrobe but there was a time you're right when it was and that's mm-hmm. you know like like an old soul of sorts uh arthur is definitely an old soul because he he missed this two dollar theater showing of silent running which i looked up a little bit it's it's this 1970s film where this astronaut sent to this planet to destroy the rest of plants or maybe it's the other way around i forget um but there, <laughs> Arthur's interaction. I mean, I mean, to, to set up where they're at, uh, Arthur. They hired Arthur in the previous episode, and you know, uh, Ruth was very regimented about you know you're going to eat dinner from seven p.m. to eight p.m. Eight oh five is you know cleanup time and whatever. And now we just see Ruth is <laughs> you know renting movies with him and whatever. Just Arthur's interaction. I guess the two of them. Well, I, I guess I guess Arthur more than Ruth is. His interaction's so robotic, you know, because he's 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 giving the description of the film, and then he's just like music by Joan Baez, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is very um, robotic's a good word. Uh, what's the other one that's coming? in? monotone. Mono. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not a lot of emotion. Um, uh-huh. You know, it, it, what's interests me, and this is from an outsider's perspective. I'm not in your industry. Is mm-hmm. I think okay. He looks more like what I would expect for somebody in his industry as opposed uh-huh. to Nate, uh-huh. David, or um, Rico. Rico. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so his character I imagine, well. Yeah, I imagine sort of his introduction, why they kind of put him in here is to have someone to quote-unquote look like a funeral director. You know, I definitely think that was part of, of him coming in when – you know, something that's really funny when I go back to watch these episodes, I, you know, you kind of forget how funny the show is. And a lot of literally, you know, dark humor. Uh, when after they're watching this Silent Runnings film and Arthur just presses stop, uh, it goes into porn. Yes, it's funny. <laughs> and just the way Ruth drops the popcorn bowl is so funny. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 definitely the two of them, this is not something they, they would... Just the, the way they react to it is so funny. You know, they get up and they literally go opposite ways. I know. <laughs> that's it. Running. They're just, that's it. They don't want to acknowledge that <laughs> that, that just right, happened. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, funny. <laughs> and again, another funny line is when, when Ruth comes downstairs and they're, they're in the prep room and 
you know, she said that she's going to return silent runnings. Is there any errands you need me to run? And there's, you know, there's stuff to eat in the fridge, whatnot. <laughs> when she goes back upstairs, Ruth, uh, Arthur's clearly having a good time with Ruth and there's something brewing there. But, you know, she goes away and Rico goes to Arthur and like, listen, just because you live upstairs doesn't mean you have to do stuff with the monsters. I thought it was monsters. But it's actually the monsters. Monster, oh, okay. Remember, yeah, okay. I didn't, I, I didn't catch that either until I put on uh, subtitles. That's funny. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> just Rico calling the family the monsters is just hilarious. It is, it is. It's good, you know. <laughs> and he has such history with them, with the father, the you know, uh, right. And that you know, he's he's of all people who knows that family well. It's him. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he he knows something's up for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with yeah. Arthur and. Uh, it, it is quite funny. <laughs> there is, and I'll, I guess I'll, well, I guess I could, well, Rico, I'm going to leave the casketing whole thing that I wanted to speak about. I'm going to uh, tack that on to the, the uh, Russell and Claire storyline. But um, when when Ruth uh, is putting away Arthur's laundry and, you know, Claire and Ruth, they go through this whole thing about how gross a handkerchief is. When... Ruth is see it, it, again. It's like I'm saying for for something to stand out as weird on this show, it's it, it's always over the top because Ruth kind of takes the handkerchief as she's putting it away, and there's you know there there's all this lighting where the room is dark, but right here on on the dresser, it's it's super bright, and you know she kind of I don't know she smells the handkerchief or mm-hmm. she kind of pretends. Um, it's not till then I kind of realized that she's kind of channeling Nathaniel, her dead husband, right. kind of. Correct, correct. Oh, I don't know. It's just super fucking weird, though. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, again, I, th- I think it just goes right back to the very beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah. The tie with the nosebleed and the stuff. But, yeah, you, you know, they are at that point really transitioning the whole handkerchief thing to more Nathaniel. Yeah. Um, for right. sure. And I had forgotten that that was his... Uh, his full name. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of, you know, where, where their storyline ends for this episode. Uh, to move to Russell and Claire, um, I kind of love this opening scene where we see Russell is dyeing uh, Claire's hair blue. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you could kind of see as soon as David walks into the room, David becomes uh, awkward, mm-hmm. uh, uh, flirty David. You know, Dave, David. David's pretty set in his ways, but you know, you could always tell when he's kind of off kilter. When there's another, man, there's another man he's interested in, or or if he's if he's being, uh, uh, how do I say this? If he if he's if he's, um, God, I'm I'm blanking out on the words here. When he's uncomfortable with his own sexuality, that's ah. kind of the only times you see David outside. You know, when he's fearful that he's. People are thinking he's gay and he's wrong for that, or or if he's a man he's interested in. Um, <laughs> but as soon as David walks in the room, you know you could you could tell because you know uh, <laughs> David goes, you know, you know I know what you're talking about because I also work with dangerous chemicals too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just kind of looks at each other like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dave, David's gaydar is he knows what's up. He does. He does. <laughs> you know? He does totally. Um, you know, it it surprised me that he had such a small part in this episode. I guess just because I feel like I mentioned earlier, he's um, 
he's such a, a large part of the entire series. But yeah. uh um <clears throat> you know, he he really mixes mixes things up for for everyone. He's he's got to be the straight-laced individual, but yeah, yeah. in this in this particular episode, he he uh they they really show his nature more than anything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. uh I I like that interaction. I and I had completely forgotten about the um the character uh, Claire's friend. Uh, what was his name? Russ, Russell. Yes, yeah. Russ, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but um and 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 if you're not paying attention to it closely to David and stuff, you really don't pick up on on it until much later when David yeah. and Claire are talking and um um uh, but yeah, it's it's interwoven nicely. Uh, let me say this before we get to that 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 end end discussion with Claire and David. Um, David mentions that the brushes being used for Claire's hair, uh, you know, that's what they use Velvetone for. Huh. Um, I'm not sure if I spoke about this on the podcast before, but this kind of opens the way for that. Um, Velvetone is actually like lotion that comes from like embalming chemical company. A particular one is Dodge. And Velotone is just basically lotion. If you're ever in a funeral home, and I hope you aren't, uh, <laughs> sometimes they have uh, lotion in the bathroom. If you ever look, it's probably Velvetone. Wow. And what happens is, uh, to, to long story super short, embalming is preserving and disinfectant. So embalming, basically, uh, the formaldehyde dries your skin. It, it, you know, it, it preserves it. So it kind of putri- uh, petrifies it, right? Velvetone, in order to put like cosmetics on after, it kind of, you know, if you put it on without any type of lotion or anything, it's kind of like putting, painting like cement, you know? Um, So you need like somewhat of a a good foundation, your skin. Uh, Right now, me and you, we have oils on our skin that makes our skin soft and whatnot. Um, Velvetone was what they used to use because it's just, it's straight up, it's a lotion. You could use it on your hands now, whatever. Uh, they came up, so so that's what Velvetone was. I don't know how or why you would use that brush to 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 put that in your hair if you're coloring your hair. It seems counterintuitive. What, what's really weird is two episodes prior, Rico is like massaging a hand with the stuff they use now, which is called it's 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 called Kalon cream, and it basically is like uh, uh, lotion. Velvetone lotion on steroids. Like, it's really greasy, but it really provides a good cosmetic base. Um, but that's what they use. This Velvetone is somewhat old in terms of what, you know, but we're talking this is 2003, I believe we're in now. Or are we in 2002? Uh, we are in 2003, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a little thing. When he mentions Velvetone, uh, you just assume it's like some embalming chemical, but it's literally only lotion. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah, see, someone like me doesn't really know what that stuff yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot going on when, when the guy falls out of the casket that we'll get to. Um, but, uh, you know, this conversation – well, I, I guess let me say too, right, uh, Dave, uh, David and Claire. Blah. Russell and Claire have sex for the first – they kiss for the first time. And then they also have sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sex in this episode, There is, huh? there is. <laughs> Jeez. Uh-huh. Um, and we learn that this is Russell's first and second time, as Claire says. You know, there's some... I always struggle a little bit with Olivier from the, the yes. school. Yes, Because uh, he just kind of shits on them for all their work and whatever. <laughs> it cracks um, me up. I don't know. You know, I guess they're making them tougher students and whatnot. 
But, you know, uh, Russell's all upset about this, and that's when they start to kiss, whatever. And I, I made somewhat of a, th- uh, a connection where, but it's Ruth who initiates it, but, you know, kind of their first their first sexual interaction was when Olivier kind of shit on Russell or, or yelled at him, you know, and that was his first sexual interaction. Just kind of with, like, you know, Nate and um, his ex-flings, right. whatever. right. But like you were saying, this uh, final conversation that David and Claire have, uh, you can kind of see how much David knows yep. Russell is gay. Yep, totally. And <laughs> Claire is somewhat putting it off. Yeah, she she's a very much a free spirit, and she doesn't care. You know, she's very much living in the moment, and uh, uh, yeah, her and Nate are very much alike to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's she's okay with just you know. Um, not worrying about the cerebral part of what's going on and more just acting on her emotions. I, I feel like David knows for sure Russell is gay. And the more he presses it, the more he sees Claire sort of fight back. So he just kind of does that thing of like, all right, I'm going to back off. But I said my I said my words, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I let it be known that I think Russell's gay, but I'm not going to touch this anymore because clearly it's like a, a, a hot button issue with Claire, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But uh, he, he's on the right. He, he, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess I could move now to this, this final, this thing I wanted to talk about was, was the guy falling out of the casket. Mm-hmm. Um, which happens, it happens in the middle of the night when Russell and Claire were in bed. They're trying to just talking and all of a sudden this loud thud happens. Uh, again... The comedy in Six Feet Under is great. Here is like to me like the zaniest time it's been like kind of wacky. <laughs> well, because I mean you kind of see even like if you go back and listen, the music it kind of turns into this like it's not zany wacky music, but it's definitely music different from Six Feet Under. Um, but it even has like as soon as Arthur opens the door, he runs one way, he runs the other way, kind of like cartoonish, you know. But we're in a clear comedy sequence. Uh, when he even opens the door to Claire's room and he's like, hi, Claire. Oh, oh, I see you're entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's as close as they can get to entertainment in in, in Six Feet Under. I think about what's happened. A a deceased just fell off. The 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 casket fell off and he fell out of it. You know, we're talking something very serious here and it's... (laughs) <laughs> made into comedy. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, but only I, I don't know. Yeah, the rest of us in the world would never understand it or <laughs> want to see yeah. it. But yeah. uh, you know, they they do a good job of putting it right in front of you that this stuff happens. And that's what I like about the show is they don't put anything <laughs> in there, as far as I know, that didn't happen or doesn't happen. Yes, this has definitely happened. Um, it's happened to not. It hasn't happened to me. Meaning, I put someone in a casket and the casket fell. This hasn't happened to me per se, but I've definitely seen it happen to other people. Um, so basically, what the casket? See, I'm, I have the scene on right now. Uh, usually, a casket is on a beer, and a beer is B I E R, not like B E E R. And that's kind of what the casket goes on. Uh, it just uh, how do I? You know, it just has to be like leveled, right? Like just the way something sits on top of something. And with this person rather heavy, right? Uh, they say it's a triple X casket and they have those. And, you know, trust me, America is getting bigger. So <laughs> these caskets are coming bigger. Basically, the, the, the few things as the funeral director I wanted to point out, if you remember, they kind of roll him onto a backboard. Right. 
And the idea is he's going to go from the backboard and they were going to lift him onto the stretcher. If you look, if you go back and look at the scene, Arthur and Ruth are at the head end and Russell and Claire are at the foot end and they all try to lift them up. And then it kind of, <laughs> it's just way too heavy for the four of them. So he just kind of falls off again. And then, you know, this is when Russell's like, yeah, this is now officially weird. Yeah, this is getting weird. <laughs> um, the, the heaviest end is the head end. So there's no reason why Ruth would be on that end. You know, probably we should be two men. That stretcher also, if you look, it's kind of like hip length, hip uh, height. You know, it's if you ever just seen a, a regular stretcher, even like ambulances, whatever. Mm-hmm. That stretcher usually goes to the floor. So you could kind of even slide him over. As opposed to having lifting up, let's say this guy is three, three fifty, maybe even yeah, four hundred yeah. pounds. You know, uh, again, this show isn't made for funeral directors, but there's just a, a little, a little part of it that was just kind of. I, I guess it's for comedy, right? It's not. It's not. It's not. Sure. To, it's not so everything's by the book. I yeah, you know, someone like me wouldn't pick up on stuff like that. You oh, know, of at course, that point, of I'm just entranced in yeah, the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and no one, no one else would, right? But just sort of the the idea of the podcast is to just kind of shed light on these little things. But yeah, when you're doing this, it's almost completely opposite of what they ended up doing. I don't even know how the well, I guess goes unbalanced. We never see how he gets back into this casket and whatever, but presumably everything goes fine. That sort of wraps up the storylines and whatnot. Uh, I usually, I always end the episode with our final scene, but we kind of talked about their final scene already. Uh, anything I glossed over that you wanted to talk about mm. in the episode? Man, you, you picked it apart pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you really did. All the characters and all the uh, different aspects of, of each scene. I mean, gosh, I wish I could. Um it's just a, a great montage of what's to come in the rest of the episodes yeah. and the setup. I mean, even the flashback with Brenda and everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, no, I mean, um, yeah, we used to talk about the episodes afterwards, uh, <laughs> kind of like this. And so we've gone a, a full hour plus way longer than my wife and I would. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, man, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, truthfully. Well, awesome, awesome. Um, thank you, thank you for joining me. And again, your podcast is uh, Enthead E N T Head dot com. Mm-hmm. That's it. And That's you're on it. iTunes. Yes, yes, iTunes and Stitcher and all the other ones. Oh, awesome, <laughs> uh, awesome. No, I thank you for your time. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Matthew is on Twitter at E N T Heads, and I am on Twitter at Digging Podcast. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Digging Six Feet Under. Uh, always, you could, uh, if you email me questions or, or anything regarding the show, I'm at Digging Six Feet Under at gmail.com. And I will be joined next week by Charnel Bush of the What About Your Friends podcast for episode seven. And I forget the title of the episode, which is called Timing in Space. And uh, we'll listen to you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, 
and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.